on. Let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out! What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you...
what the world would look like if he had not been there. And I think sometimes we need that same wake-up call, that same perspective change, and we need to look at life a little bit differently. Notice how George <coughs> ran through the obnoxious streets of Bedford Falls, which he had hated just moments earlier, and was so happy and so excited to see the things that were there. All of the things that were just moments earlier, a real pain in the neck. Even his wife was annoying. His kids were annoying. You notice when he ran up the stairs, the finial on the banister pulled off like it had so many other times. And he, I'm sure the other times he would have probably gotten a little grumpy and, you know, slammed it back down. But this time he raises it to his lips and he shows that he cherishes that broken finial. I'm sure it had happened many times in your life where it's, it's been, oh man, it just seems like life just keeps dragging on and on and on. And it's just... One day after another, one humdrum after another, one boring thing after another. I think there's times we need that wake-up call, and we need to say, you know what? I need to look at life a little bit differently. I need to look at life from a perspective of, of I'm grateful to be here. I'm thankful for the things that God has blessed me with, and I am content with the things that God has given Everyone wants it, but no one wants to be known to have it. The attitude, the life-changing attitude that we need to learn about today is contentment. Contentment is one of those that if you're content in your athletic ability, you're looked down on. If you're content in business, you're looked down on. If you're content uh, with, with uh, maybe your, even your finances, uh, you, know, you may be looked down on. Maybe it's your education. Maybe you don't have the biggest, best, and most wonderful degree after your name. And so we think we're not content with that, or you're not, shouldn't be content with that. However, it's a strange attitude. 
It's one that really everybody wants to be content, but once you have it, you're not maybe looked upon with, I don't know, respect or dignity. It really is a strange one, but I think the reason it's strange is because the world's idea of contentment is a little bit different than the biblical idea of contentment. Paul wrote a letter to the Philippian church, and this particular congregation was one that had been giving to Paul all of their lives, all of their existence, their entire existence. We looked at it two weeks ago that they had a pattern of generosity that was unmatched. <clears throat> Philippi was the church that supported Paul more than any other congregation around. Paul really didn't even want to start this congregation. You remember he was on his way to a certain place and God turned him around and said, no, I want you to go here. Well, Philippi was established because of that. He writes this letter as a thank you to the church in Philippi. I want us to look at a passage of scripture. We're going to kind of dive into it and then we'll kind of dissect it and unpack it um, this morning. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, if you've got your Bible, turn with me there. If you've got an app, punch the buttons, get there, find it. We're going to look at it and um, uh, take, a, take a closer look. Philippians chapter 4, uh, we're going to start in verse 10. Before we do that, let's look to God in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for being our God, for allowing us to be part of who you are. God, we know that our life is in you, our strength is in you, our hope is in you. God helps to realize that our contentment also needs to be in you as well. God, please bless as we look at this passage of Scripture and help us to be able to unpack it in a way that we can understand it better and apply it to our lives. Pray that you'll bless every aspect of our morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10 starts, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Where's Paul right now? Paul's writing this. Where is he right now when he's writing this? He's in prison. He's chained between two guards. Probably... Two very respected guards. Paul sort of made a, made a mess of his, uh, uh, his reputation with the Roman Empire. He was sort of on, on bad terms with them. He was chained between two guards. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned, highlight, underline, circle, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Once again, I have learned, underline, circle, highlight, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Verse 13 is one of the most misused and taken out of context verses in the entire Bible. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all of what? Some translations say all things. But when you say all things, we sort of don't think about the context of where this verse actually was taken from. We do all of this. What do we do? 
Paul is saying that I can do contentment through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus is not a Red Bull. He does not give you wings. Greg was asking for an energy drink or something that would boost our energy. That's not what Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is not a monster energy drink. He is not. We can't stand at the edge of a cliff and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and step off the cliff and expect to live. What Paul is saying is that I can do contentment because of the strength that God has given. So before we build, we're going to blast. Sometimes that's necessary, right? Take some dynamite and blow things up before we try to, to rebuild or before we try to build. So let's do that this morning. Biblical contentment. Let's look at what it's not. Let's blast away all the things that it's not first. It's not happiness. He's not saying that he's happy. <laughs> he's not a happy camper right now. He's literally chained between two guards, between two Roman guards. He's not a happy camper. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, because of these unsurpassed great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was what? Given a thorn in the flesh. Not only was Paul chained between two Roman guards, but he is also given a thorn in the flesh. It's not something that it, was a, it wasn't a flippant thing that, oh, I have, I have this problem and it's, it's going to go away here soon. This thorn in the flesh lasted his entire life. It was not something that went away. Paul prayed at least three times that I can remember or that I can find that it would be taken away. It wasn't. Biblical contentment is not happiness. You don't ask God to change your situation three times if you are perfectly happy with the circumstances. Paul was not happy with the circumstances, but he was content. Another place we find contentment was when Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26. He says, sit here while, while I go and pray. And he put, took Peter, James, and John with him, began sorrowfully, sorrowfully and troubled he began. As said, my soul's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He goes a little further and he prays. My fathers, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. You can be content and still hate the situation that you're in. Biblical contentment is not happiness. Biblical contentment is not a lack of, of ambition or drive. Contentment doesn't mean you can't have any ambition. Contentment doesn't mean that you just sit back and relax and let God do everything. Paul was constantly pushing on in Philippians chapter 3. says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. It says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Haven't achieved it. Haven't made it. Paul was, I call him a type A personality. He was a driver. He was one that was willing to get out there and get something done. Very, very ambitious. Once again, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? 
run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run aimlessly, like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. This guy is driven. It's okay to have ambition. It's okay to have a little, a little drive behind us. But contentment is not a lack of drive. There's nothing wrong with you if you're not driven, if you're not ambitious, right? Think about it this way. Some of us were designed to organize. Some of us were designed to lead. Some of us were designed to participate. And some of us were designed to sort of sit back and watch and cheer on those that are doing what they're doing. Take a parade, for instance. There's an organizer behind the parade. There's a cornrows parade coming up this weekend. And I'm sure the organizers of that cornrows parade are in full motion right now. They are orchestrating every aspect of this parade and they're trying to make, put this parade together. They're organizing it. Next, there has to be the leaders of the parade. There's got to be someone in the, in the front of that parade that knows where they're going, that knows how to lead that parade. Right? There has to be participants in the parade. There has to be people that, that join in the parade and, and dress up funny and, and wear funny hats and you know, carry umbrellas and do all kinds of weird things. Maybe build floats to participate in the, in the parade. And then there has to be people who watch the parade. People that sit along the sides of the streets to watch the parade. There has to be all four of those. All four are very important. What would happen if nobody showed up and nobody was sitting along the sides to watch the parade? What would happen? It'd be pretty silly, right? It'd be a bunch of just people walking around throwing candy on, littering because there's nobody there to pick it up. Littering candy on the ground because there's nobody there to watch. What if, what if the, the participants in the parade decided not to show up? It would just be this one group of people carrying a banner that says Cornrows Parade and there would be nothing behind it. Nobody would want to go to that, right? What if the leaders didn't show up? What if the people that carried the, the banner that says this is the start of the parade didn't show up? Well, they'd be wandering all over town and nobody along the sides of the streets would see them. And same thing with the organizers. If somebody's not going to organize this parade and put it all together, it would be a complete disaster. We need to be content with what God asks us to do. God needs all types. Just be content with your type. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Be content with your type. Biblical contentment is not lack of drive or ambition. We find a passage of scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And um, we find a guy by the name of pain. His name meant pain. How would you like it to exist in life with your name as pain? You're just a pain. Jabed was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free 
from pain. And God said, what? I ain't, I ain't giving you nothing. Get on out of here. No, he didn't. What did God say? God granted his request. This passage starts with the who begets section. It's a, you know, this guy beget this guy, and this guy beget this guy, and this guy beget this guy. And then right in the middle we find Jabez, and he pops out as one who asks for blessing. This passage existed, by the way, before the little book, The Prayer of Jabez. It existed before it became popular. But God wants us to pray boldly. He wants us to pray boldly. He wants us to ask for things boldly. But then he wants us to accept things humbly. He wants us to be in his face about what we need and what we want. But then he wants us to accept it humbly. We need to be content with what God asks us to do. Dream, ask, pray boldly. But then humbly accept what God gives. Contentment's not happiness. It's not a lack of ambition. And it's not... Laziness. Biblical contentment is not laziness. We can't just lay around and wait for God to do it. Proverbs chapter 24 says, I pass by lazy, lazy person's field and by the vineyard of someone with no sense. Thorns had grown up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds and the stone walls had fallen down. I thought about what I had seen and I learned this lesson from what I saw. You sleep a little, you take a nap, you fold your hands and you lie down to rest. Soon, you will be as poor as if you had been robbed. And you will have as little as if you had been held up. What's this verse tell us? If you're lazy, you're going to be poor. Proverbs 13 and verse 4 says, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. It doesn't say that every poor person is lazy. But it does say that, that those who are lazy will be poor. God's not asking us to be content. He's not asking us to be content with our laziness. And that's not, that's not what biblical contentment is. Biblical contentment is not happiness. It's not a lack of ambition. And it's not laziness. So now we've blasted. Now we've gotten rid of all the, well, some of the, what it's not. Now let's look at what it is. Biblical contentment is coping with what is and accepting what can't be changed. Contentment in the Greek actually means more along the lines of, of self-sufficient. Or should I say independent of the circumstances. When we are content, we're independent of the circumstances. The kids at Kerry Martin have a habit they call proactive. And this proactive habit, their little slang term for it, or the little kid term for, for it, is choose your own weather. We need to choose our own weather rather than letting the environment, rather than letting the, the, our parents, rather than letting the world decide how we're going to react to things. We choose our weather. We choose how we're going to respond to what's taking place. We aren't victims of our surroundings, our environment, our parents. We're independent of the circumstances which surround our situation. When we're plugged into relationship with God, we become above the normal. We're not affected by all the things that are going on in the world. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, once again from the, the CEB this time, it says, 
I was very glad in the Lord because now at last you have shown concern for me again. Of course, you were always concerned, but I had no way to show it. I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and having more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content in each and every situation, whether full or hungry, whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure, endure all things through the power of the one who strengthens me or gives me strength. Where do we get our contentment from? We get it from God. Biblical contentment is coping with what is and accepting what we can't change. Secondly, biblical contentment is learned. We see many times in that passage of Scripture, at least twice, Paul says, I have learned. It's not something that all of a sudden comes to us and says, oh, here, I'm just going to give you contentment all of a sudden. It's not something that we just grab onto. We're just walking down the road and it's like, oh, I'll have some of that and I'll have some of that. It's something that we have to learn. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Everything we do as if we are doing it for God. It doesn't mean we should wear scriptures on our t-shirts, put a fish on our truck, and carry our Bible around everywhere we go. Be a representative do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some, some translations actually say, in Jesus' name. I think it's funny. In Jesus' name. When we say in Jesus' name, it's almost like the send button on our text, right? It's like, get done praying and you hit send. That's like saying, in Jesus' name, that's like, in, in a way. But you know what? If we can put that stamp on every aspect of every part of our day. I'm going to drive this truck down the road in Jesus' name. I'm going to ride this motorcycle down the road in Jesus' name. I'm going to train this dog. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, in Jesus' name. I'm going to teach this kid. I'm going to build this house. Whatever you do, in Jesus' name. It helps and it allows for contentment. If you really want contentment, I want you to pray this prayer every single morning. God, help me represent you today. Help me represent you today. If we start out our day every single day with that, with that mindset, with the mindset of, God, I want to represent you today. Help me do that. Help me be in Jesus' name all throughout my day. You know what happens? We become content. We come, become very content. Because whether we're successful or whether we fail, it's in Jesus' name. It's all in His. It's all in His. Every day, He will provide the strength and courage to present him well today. Now I know it's hard to just focus on today. I know that the end of the month holds problems. It holds issues. It holds deadlines. It holds things that we have to get ready for. And thinking of those kids going back to the school, back to school, all these things are flooding into my mind like, oh man, how am I gonna do that? 
How am I going to organize this? How am I going to have time to do this? How am I going to have time to do that? God doesn't say he's going to give you strength for next month. He says he's going to give you strength for today. Ask for strength for today. Say in Jesus' name today. I want your blessing on today. He'll give you strength for today. Paul wants to get out. He's in prison. He's writing this letter in prison. He wants out. He doesn't want to be chained to two Roman guards the rest of his life. But you know what? He's representing God today. He's there, right then and there. Uh, And what's crazy is much of the Roman guard, we find out later, that much of the Roman guard became Christians. Why do you think that is? Because Paul said, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. He lived one day at a time and prayed that prayer every single morning when he was awoken by the guards rattling his chain. Paul, wake up. Paul, pray the prayer. I want to represent you well today. And then God blessed. And God made him content with where he was. I believe we're going to meet guards that were there when Paul wrote this. I believe that someday when we get to heaven, we're going to come across a guard that was in Paul's prison. Why? Because Paul saw that it was okay where he was. Where God had put him, it was an okay place for him to be. And he was going to do whatever he could in Jesus' name. Now we know what contentment is not. We know what biblical contentment is. Let's look at a few things that makes contentment difficult. What makes contentment difficult? Human nature. You know why? Because we have a tendency to compare ourselves. And we have a tendency to be greedy. Those are the two things that that make human nature, it makes contentment difficult because of human nature. So many things. So many things that I did not need until I saw you get one. Think about it. I didn't need that big flat screen until I saw somebody else had it. I didn't need that nice car until someone else had it. I didn't need that piece of clothing. I didn't need those kind of shoes. I didn't need this. I didn't need that until I saw someone else have it. Then we become discontent. Human nature causes us to compare ourselves with others, which forces discontentment. We're never going to win this game. You're never going to have the biggest and the best and the most. And even if you did at some point think that you had the best, the biggest, and the most, you would find somebody else that had more, or you would change your mind about what you wanted altogether. It's like being the biggest gorilla in the zoo. I want to be the biggest gorilla in the zoo. And when the gorilla becomes the biggest gorilla in the zoo, what's he want? He wants to be the tallest giraffe in the zoo now. He doesn't even want to be the gorilla anymore. You've read the kid's book, right? Take Michael Jordan, for instance. He was the best basketball player that basketball has ever seen. He made the high school basketball team finally after trying out a couple of times. He made it to 
college. He made it to NCAA finals. He made it to to the NBA. He made it to championship rings, two or three or four. How many were there? And then what? He had it all. He was the basketball hero of the century. What did he just say? Oh, I want to hit the curveball. <laughs> Bad idea. The passage of scripture that we read last week, or actually it was, I think it was two weeks ago, John chapter 21, starting in verse 18, goes down through verse 22. Jesus is talking to Peter. Peter's concerned about what? What's going to happen to John? What's going to happen to this guy back here? And Peter says, I mean, Jesus says, no, Peter, I don't want you concerned about that guy. I want you to be concerned about you. You follow me. When you stop comparing ourselves to other people, it causes for discontentment. And then there's just straight up greed that cause, causes us to uh, be discontent. Greed is part of our human nature. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10, we read this one a couple weeks ago as well. It says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Always wanting more, never satisfied. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. Will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Human nature makes contentment very difficult. The American culture makes contentment difficult. It makes it elusive. It makes it hard to grab onto. We're consumer driven. Did you know that the, some of the best minds in America, some of the most intelligent, best minds, mentally speaking, the best minds in America are 24-7 thinking of ways to make you discontent. That's their job. That's what they do. It's American culture. I want you to understand it's not wrong to enjoy life. People work their tails off to someday hunt and fish, right? I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to work until I'm 60 and then I'm going to go hunt and fish. And then there's people that just hunt and fish and they're condemned because they're being lazy. It does not make sense. That does not, doesn't jive. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life, but we need to enjoy where God has put us. We need to enjoy where God has put me. American culture makes it difficult to be content. And number three, the, American, uh, the, the unrealistic dreams and goals makes contentment difficult. Let me explain. We all think about and we all envision what the perfect marriage would look like. We all envision what the perfect job would be. We all envision what the perfect career would be. We all envision what the right income level would be for me. How many of you think the right income level for you, have you ever envisioned it being lower than what yours is now? Has anybody ever envisioned that? <laughs> Only when you go to write it on your tax form, right? <laughs> There's no such thing as a perfect job. People say, well, you should get a job doing what you want to do. You know, something that, that fuels your passions, that makes you, that makes you happy. At the end of the day, a job is still a job. There's no such thing as a perfect job. 
You know what? I think encouragement has come to the point we've gotten to where encouragement has, and it's the politically correctness of the world, I'm sure. It's just really gotten out of hand. You know, the eighth place finisher still gets a ribbon. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, everybody's encouraged because they're, you know. I think it's scary. It's scary because in our culture, encouragement trumps truth. Let me explain. There's some really amazing people in the world, and we brought up, we brought up Michael Jordan, so let's just stick with him. Let's say uh, we set up a hoop out in the parking lot, um, a basketball hoop for all of you who don't know what hoop means, uh, a basketball hoop out in the, in the parking lot, and we invited Michael Jordan, and he actually showed up. And um, Michael Jordan and, and Greg go out to the parking lot, and they're going to play a game of one-on-one, all right? And they start playing, and they're, they're going at it, and we're all standing around watching, and, you know, Michael's dunking over Greg every five seconds. And, and Greg comes in, stops at the key, does a little head fake, and gets a, hits a jumper over Michael Jordan. What are we all going to do? Yeah, we're all going to go nuts, right? It's all going to be excited. Greg made his basket over Michael Jordan. It's like, and then afterwards, what's going to happen? We're going to go up to Greg, and we're going to cruise. That was awesome, man. You made that shot over Michael Jordan. You're the best, man. You're the best. How many of us are going to go up to Michael Jordan and say, yeah, you uh, schooled Greg like 100 to 1? We're not going to do that, right? Why? Because we expect that out of Michael Jordan, right? That's the expectation we have for Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan's the best. What would you say if Greg came up to you after the game and he said, you know all these people said that you know, I was the greatest because I made that basket over Michael Jordan? I was kind of thinking about quitting my, um, quitting my teaching career and, and going into the NBA. I guarantee it that there's people in this room that would say, Greg, I think you should go for your dreams. <laughs> there is. Why? Because we think that encouragement is, is, is better than truth. We think that we want to just build everybody up and just make them all flowery and beautiful. But you know what? We become discontent because of these unrealistic dreams and these unrealistic hopes. We need to get down to where we live. This is who I am. I'm a father of four. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a minister. And you know what? I fail constantly. This is who I am. I'm not that other person. I'm not someone else. I'm this guy. I'm this guy that doesn't do it right all the time. But I can make it because I know God will give me the strength for today. I ask him to bless me today to help me make it through the things that he's going to throw my way today. And you know what he's going to bless? He promises that. Proverbs 13, 12, it says, it's sad not to get what you hope for. But wishes that come true are like eating fruit from the tree of life. Just because you haven't made it to where you think you should be doesn't mean you're a failure. Maybe your expectations, your hopes, your dreams were unrealistic. 
Let's be real about who we are. Let's take a real assessment about who we are because our level of contentment is sort of based on our feelings about who we are and where we're going and what, we're, what we are. Wouldn't it change our level of contentment if we would take a more honest look at ourselves? Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It's right after what this series is based on, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Look at verse 3. It says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. God gives us enough for each day. What makes contentment difficult? Unrealistic dreams and expectations. And fourthly, there's poison people and there's poison places. There's poison out there. These are places and people that'll mess you up. They may not they may not mess me up, but they'll mess you up. And there's places that'll mess me up that you may not even be affected by. Why? Because we're different people. We're different people. There are some people I hang out with when, when they're successful, I come home and I'm like, man, I love it that they're so, so excited for them because they're, they're successful. And then there's other people that I go hang out with that are successful and I come home and I'm like, man, why can't I be more like them? And I'm so discontent with who I am. Why is that? Because everybody's different. People are different. But there are others that, that we need to be careful about. There are certain environments that are just not healthy. Proverbs 14 and verse 30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer to the bones. Matthew 18 says, So if your hand and foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter the in, eternal life with only one hand and one foot, or one foot, than to be thrown in eternal fire with both your hands and your feet. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter into eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. If there's someone, if there's some place that causes you discontentment, if you come home from that place or you come home after hanging out with that person and you are discontent, you need to stop hanging out with that person. You need to stop hanging out in that place. Because it's no different than any other sin. This attitude of contentment can cause us major problems. Don't hang out there. Don't hang out with them. Stay away. We need to be content with what God has given us. So how do we get it? How do we keep it? Let's be practical. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. How are we going to do it? We need to change what we can and accept what we can't. You got something in your life that you know you can change? Then change it. That's how you get content. If there's something that you can change, then change it. If you can't change it, then don't worry about it. Just accept it. Matthew 26 and verse 39, we find Christ going off to, with him by himself, going off to pray more than once, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. 
God, if you want me to keep plugging away at this same job for the rest of my life, I'm willing to do that if that's what you want for me. God, if it's, if it's this same situation, if we're in this same exact situation with our family and we can't do anything about it, there's nothing we can do to change it, God, give me the strength to plug away just like I am. Jesus prayed the prayer. Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken, may your will be done. Change what you can, accept what you can't. Second, avoid your contentment killers. There's contentment killers out there all over the place. You know where they are. There's lots of really great minds thinking about ways of making you discontent. You've got to outwit them. You've got to outsmart them. You've got to avoid those places of discontent. Don't be head faked by the evil one. We've got to be honest about who we are. Honest about what makes us discontent. Number three, treat every situation as a special assignment from God. Start every morning with that prayer. God, what do you want me to do today? I know that I'm going to have opportunities today to serve you. I'm going to have opportunities today to make you look good. Give me that opportunity. I'm ready for it. And give me the strength to do it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. We're going to end with this verse. It says, let every detail of your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Make it in Jesus' name. I exist because He wants me to be here. I'm doing this because He wants me there. I'm emptying the trash because He wants me to. I'm taking care of this dirty diaper because He wants me to. I'm running a multi-million dollar company because he put me there. It doesn't matter where you are. God put you there. We need to pray that prayer every single morning. God, whatever it is that you have in mind in store for me today, give me the strength to do it. And you know what that does? It makes us content. It puts this box around us. It puts this shell around us that we are going to be content. Nothing that we run into can affect the weather inside my attitude about contentment. I'm going to be content with whatever God sends my way today because I know that that particular thing is the assignment that he's given me for today. God's message, your move. Thank you for your attention. I hope that there's been some things about contentment that have been, hey, you've been able to grab a hold of and um, as we go into our discussion groups, uh, hopefully we can further apply these things and uh, get them down to where we live. Thank you once again for your attention and thank you for being here this morning. And uh, let's, uh, let's move in.